I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you a Sunday afternoon. Uh, not quite an instant reaction from yesterday's win over Penn State at Carver Hawkeye Arena for the men's basketball team uh, because I was there in attendance and uh, I wanted to do something about that game and, and kind of look at the season uh, more broadly, but uh, was unable to directly after that game. And by the time I got home and got the kids to bed and all of that, it was like, well, I'll just, uh, I'll just just push this to Sunday. I had to watch the Packers lose, which was fantastic. So I uh, just pushed it to a, to a Sunday thing here. I want to talk a little bit about uh, being there in Carver for that that sold out crowd, and uh, I got to take my son, six year old son, to his first Hawkeye event ever. Um, so that was a lot of fun, and uh, and we'll certainly talk about the atmosphere and uh, and everything that went into that. It was a, a really good day, and you know, just listening to post game comments, reading some of the stories and things, watching the press conference, it was clear that the crowd made an impact, and and that the uh, the the players and coaches. Uh, made a point to uh, repeatedly mention the crowd and kind of when the crowd got into it and the energy of the the packed arena and all of that stuff you know uh, a couple of times Fran said you know he hit that shot and that really got the crowd into it or you know he blocked this shot and that really got the crowd into it and Jordan Bohannon was saying the same thing you tell that these guys um, appreciated a a sold out Carver Hawkeye arena uh, appreciated a Saturday afternoon game and uh, a chance to get back to 500 in the Big Ten, which is exactly what the Hawkeyes have done. Four and four now in the league, 14 and five overall after a 68 to 51 win over Penn State in a game that um, was closer at halftime than it than it should have been probably. Uh, but Iowa really asserted its dominance, uh, especially in the last 10 minutes or so of the game. But really, the entire second half, it was a uh, different. Hawkeye team than what we had seen in the first half, and even with that, even with uh, you know Penn State out-rebounding Iowa by quite a bit in the first half, by Penn State kind of dictating the tempo by Iowa, only scoring 30 points in that first half, and I think with just a few minutes to go, it was was closer to 20 points. Um, It really felt a little bit too much like the Rutgers game uh, on Wednesday night, but in the second half, Iowa really able to, again, assert its dominance and kind of pull away. And uh, and get back to that you know toughness on defense and rebounding that uh, had sparked Iowa to to a handful of wins before that game against Rutgers. You know Iowa has now won what seven of their last nine games dating back to uh, the Utah State game uh, in the middle of December. So, I mean that's a that's a really nice run. Seven of nine here. Your loss is coming on the road at Wisconsin and at Rutgers, but you got a couple of uh, or at least one road win in there the win at Minnesota and we'll take a bigger look at the uh, the entire schedule here as we move forward because I, I do think that it was it, 
you know, is anything a must win in January? Probably not. But after that Rutgers loss, you could have seen that carry over into a hangover and uh, and could have really maybe put a damper on on this middle part of the season. But Iowa was uh, didn't allow that to happen, didn't make that happen. And so. That was very good to see. Uh, let's go through the box score here quickly. You know, Keegan Murray ended with 15 points and, and led all Iowa scorers, four of whom were in double digits, including his brother, uh, who was the second leading scorer. But I'll say, like, certainly in the first, um, you know, 30 minutes of this game, and Keegan, Keegan played all 40, it just felt like he was not super aggressive. Like, his shot was a little bit off. You know, that, that final shot against Rutgers came up short and that, that was such a kind of a weird thing to see from him because he did get a pretty good look at it and I've seen people you know say that they thought he may have been fouled hit on the elbow on that shot I, I guess I didn't see that but um, I was kind of surprised and then I was surprised by some of the shots and, and how some of them looked uh, on on Saturday afternoon as well he was just one of seven from three-point land four of 12 from the field but had hit six of eight free throws and again ended with uh, with 15 points had a couple assists eight rebounds three blocks a steal so you know filled up the stat sheet made his presence known played the entire game and looked good for the most part but there were there were times where I thought he could have been more aggressive the final 10 minutes or so he he seemed to take that on uh and and you know take it take it to the hole a little bit more he he looked a little bit more aggressive looked a little bit more like himself uh, but still 15 points you know well below his season average his brother Chris who played 20 minutes had 13 points Chris had a tough game um, against Rutgers and to see him then come out and you know he struggled early a little bit but um, found his shot hit three of five three pointers four of six from the line um, he was three of five from the field so every shot he took was a, a three pointer but he had four rebounds two assists two steals uh, 13 points so Chris played very well and the two of them playing together you know there's one point I even tweeted this out uh, there was one point where it was the two Murrays, the two McCaffreys, and Bohannon out there. And it was like, you know, there's five players and three last names. Uh, but to see the two Murrays playing together, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago after Chris had his big game against Indiana. And, uh, you know, that when the two of them are out there, they're just both such good players and so heady and so uh, composed that you really feel like... Um, you know, you want to see a little bit more of that. Patrick McCaffrey had 11 points. Uh, he started out really hot, hit, hit a couple of threes right away. I think he had eight of his first 11 in the first, you know, five, six minutes of the game. Um, you know, when, when coach took him out after that first timeout, he seemed to lose his momentum a little bit. Ended up three of six from three-point land, uh, four of nine from the field. Had four assists, a couple of rebounds, a couple of steals, a couple of blocks. A lot of blocks uh, for the Hawkeyes. I guess it's just five, but three from Keegan, two from Patrick, uh, and 11 points for Patrick, who played, a, again, a pretty good game. Um, you wonder if he had stayed in uh, and kept shooting early in the game, uh, how how much momentum he could have built and, and kind of what his stat line ultimately would have been because he was the guy early in the game for the Hawkeyes. Jordan Bohannon had a nice game. Back to, you know, maybe not he certainly didn't take over um, nothing like that but he had a nice game he had the type of game you want to see from Jordan Bohannon 3 of 7 from 3 point land 11 points couple of rebounds no assists which is you know it's too bad but a steal 
Um, and, you know, and, and got some of that swagger back, hit a deep three, you know, basically standing on the midcourt logo, like a 30, 35 foot three uh, that got the crowd going was a big, big shot. And he talked in the post game also about just kind of regaining that swagger. He knows how bad he played in the last couple of games. He know he knows how bad of a look it was to airball like three different threes at Rutgers in a game where you lose by two. And he's that's why he's out there, right, is to hit those shots late in the shot clock. That's that's his job. Um, but uh, to, so good to see him kind of get back to that a little bit. Again, not a not a great game from Jabo, but a good game and, and the type of game that you want and uh, that he's going to need to keep having here as we move into further into Big Ten play. Philip Abracha, eight points, five rebounds, and you know he has you know didn't fill up the stat sheet tonight, last night, yesterday afternoon, but. He's really played well these last few games, and he's been a big part of Iowa's um, kind of resurgence in the rebounding and refocus on that. It was good to see him, uh, you know, battle down low again, certainly in the second half. And and I've liked what I've seen from Rabracha lately. Joe Toussaint, uh, one of four from the field, two of two from free throw. He had uh, four assists, three rebounds, three steals, uh, four points for for Joe T. And you know. Being there, and I don't know if it was just this game or if you see it more when you're in person. This is just the second game I've been to. The first one was North Carolina Central, so you know you didn't learn a whole lot in that game other than hey, Keegan Murray's really good. Um, and and the, actually, Iowa got out rebounded quite a bit, I believe, in that game, and that was one of those first red flags of that. But anyway, um, Toussaint, the the offense just flows better when he's in there. Um, he came out about the same time Patrick did in that first time out in the first half and things really got stagnant for a while without the two of them out there. And so, you know, Joe T, he, he moves a little too fast sometimes and uh, he'll have his mistakes, a couple of turnovers, uh, but he's, he's played really good defense lately and the offense just seems to flow better when he's out there. Uh, that was clearly the case yesterday as Aaron Eulis just played six minutes off the bench. He had a couple of points, um, but didn't didn't get a whole lot of time. Connor McCaffrey played 16 minutes, um, had three assists, three rebounds, didn't score, <laughs> had one three-pointer where they just leave him open, you know, and, and why not? And I and others are in the crowd kind of yelling, no, no. And you can tell he's thinking about it and they weren't going to come out and cover him. And he's just kind of standing there and we're all like, no, don't, don't, don't. And I think he airballed it. Um, now he's hit a couple of those, so I'm not going to kill him or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> it was just kind of funny to see. But, you know, Connor, he, he does other things out there. Uh, and I have no problem with him getting 15, 16 minutes a game. Tony Perkins uh, just epitomizes toughness, man. And, like, there's a couple times he got his own shot back. He's just – he's he's a ball of energy out there. The defense is different when he's out there. Um, he's never – he's never stops, right? He's, he's always going. He's always running. He's always looking for something to do. He scored four points, had four rebounds. Uh, uh, and, you know, not again, not a huge game from him, not a lot of uh, stats, but uh, uh, he made a difference. The 14 minutes he was out there, you could tell he was out there. And that's what you're going to that's what you want from him. That's what you expect from him. And again, Chris Murray, who came off the bench, had 13 points, uh, four rebounds, a couple of assists, a couple of steals. A really good game from the Murray brothers. I think uh, I think it was Bonin Camp who 
pointed out that at one point Iowa had 20 points and 18 of them had been from Murray's. Uh, and so the two of them really kind of took over in the second half. And, and that, that was where that was this section where Iowa's lead really ballooned and Iowa kind of put the game away. You know, it was a pretty close game or at least within reach for much of the game. Um, there were a couple of times in the second half where I would get like a 10 point lead, but uh, Penn State found a way to come back. They they played pretty well, uh, hit a couple of threes and, and it, they were within striking distance uh, for much of the game but then Iowa kind of put it away and that was really good to see we'll look at some uh, some team stats here in just a second I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I was shot 40% from the field. Not great. Uh, 22 of 54, but better than they did against Rutgers and uh, and held. Um, uh, Chad Lysico had this, that they've, they've held... You know, Penn State and Rutgers to 51 or, or fewer points. Um, I think that's only happened 11 times under Fran McCaffrey. Is it was the stat that Chad had, and two of them have come in this last week. And so, while one of them was a loss and a heartbreaking loss and a you know a loss that none of us will forget for a while, uh, this defense really has stepped up and this offense kind of um, make a big impact in the second half than yesterday. 10 of 32 from three point land. You got to be better than that. 31 percent were the Hawkeyes. Seven of 25 uh, were the Penn. State. State and Nittany Lions. Free throws, 14 of 18. You're okay with that. 77% uh, rebounds, 37 to 34. This was a big number, and it was a big talking point after the game, a big talking point in the uh, in the post game and then also in you know the write-ups I saw David Eichholt tweeting about this you know the first 18 or 16 minutes I only had a handful of rebounds they were getting owned on the boards by Penn State and that changed quite a bit the last couple of minutes of the first half and then into the second half to the point where Iowa actually came out on top in the game of rebounding Um, they really really put the effort in and it paid off and uh, you know in more ways than one it paid off in those numbers it paid off on the scoreboard it paid off in the, you know, kind of taking the will of your opponent away. When it, when a team gets so many second chance shots, they always feel like they're in it, and you you want to not allow that to happen. Uh, 15 assists for the Hawkeyes on 22 made shots. That's a good number. Nine steals, um, 17 turnovers for Penn State. Just 10 for Iowa. Again, 10 is about right where you want to be. It's about where they are on the season average. Maybe just a tick high, but uh, eight to 10 turnovers. You can live with that, especially if you're forcing 17 and and scoring off of those turnovers. Um, and then the largest lead. Iowa had a 17-point lead. Penn State led by two at some point um, late in the first half, I want to say, or you know, midway through the first half or so. I don't think they ever closed that first-half gap and, and had a second-half lead. So overall, just a, a nice win for Iowa. What you wanted to see coming off that Rutgers game, uh, you didn't want to see that to carry over. Uh, they talked about how they didn't land in Cedar Rapids until 3 a.m., and then you have to turn around, and they're not used to these Saturday matinee games, as, as awful as it is. I mean – um, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to see more of those because if you can sell out Carver, that that place is a different place. Um, but uh, they they didn't let the fatigue or the 
you know, having a game taken from them against Rutgers uh, impact this game. And, and that's huge. That's key. That's uh, probably the veteran leadership on this team uh, shining through, which is something that you're going to need as you make this kind of stretch run into February. And uh, a tournament. I do. I do kind of want to look at where Iowa sits with the NCAA tournament and uh, and what the rest of the schedule looks like. Maybe W and L this thing a little bit to kind of see where we get to. Before I do that, though. I just want to talk about getting over to Carver. So I was able to take my son. It was his first Hawkeye game ever. He's uh, gotten into basketball this year. We did a basketball camp uh, over the summer, and now he's playing first grade basketball. It's like the the earliest that you could play in uh, through like the Parks and Rec or the schools or whatever. We're doing it through here in Urbandale. And so he's really started to like it. And, you know, he, he liked Space Jam. And we've had like a little basketball hoop. And he's watched Hawkeye games with me in the past. But now that he's actually playing it and uh, understands it a little bit more, a little bit more, he's been watching more games with me. And when I got the opportunity, you know, for so long, we didn't know when this Penn State game was going to be. Uh, but when I saw it was a Saturday afternoon, which is, you know, perfect, we can leave early afternoon we got back before bedtime it was uh, a long afternoon but a good afternoon and and not you know it's impossible to get him over to Iowa City on a weeknight and Sundays are really hard so uh, to have a Saturday afternoon again to take him over and man like you know Carver has that magical thing of it doesn't look like a basketball arena and so when you're walking up to it for the first time you you're wondering what what is this why is it only one story high where is the where's the court where are all the seats and then you walk in and you're on top and he loved that right he's you know like all kids his age he plays minecraft and so the the underground aspect of we're sitting underground and they're playing basketball underground he liked that a lot the tiger hawks everywhere i mean one of the i don't think i've ever talked about you know when i went why i went to iowa obviously you know because i'm a hawkeye fan and all of that but i had gone to high school for three years in wisconsin and so um the three schools i considered going to were were iowa wisconsin and minnesota and i had taken visits to minnesota and wisconsin already and as soon as i walked into iowa city and even like you know went to the mall or just like walked around and all of a sudden it's like you're surrounded by hawkeye fans and it's hawkeyes everywhere it was like oh yeah this is i have to be here this is where have to be of course this is where I'm going to school and you could see that on his face a little bit you know like you go into the bathroom and on the toilet paper dispenser there's a tiger hawk and it's like hey it's, everything is Hawkeyes and um, it's just it was so his eyes light up looking around and seeing all that stuff um, all of the pyrotechnics and the introductions and and then the game itself and you know to it's one thing to watch a game on tv and have him ask you questions and and try to understand what's going on but when there's not the announcers when there's not the distractions of of your house and everything else going on where you're really just kind of sitting there and watching a basketball game you ask questions about well why who called the timeout there well nobody called the timeout it's an automatic timeout and these are this is why they have them and this is when they have them so now watch when it's uh, when the clock goes under 12 minutes and the ball stops there's going to be another automatic timeout just things like that uh you know teaching him about the game to, to see these players I don't want to say up close because we didn't have great seats or anything but uh, to see a guy dunk a basketball in real life you know it's just it's things that especially with I mean we had been to Iowa Wolves games and we had even gone to see Giannis and the Bucks take on the Timberwolves up in Hilton Coliseum in a preseason game a few years ago but he was so young 
And then with the pandemic, this it's just been so long since we've done stuff like this that it, it essentially was his first like big basketball game he had been to, or at least certainly his first that he could remember or when he could like kind of understand what was actually going on. And so uh, the number of questions he was asking and, the, you know, the kind of silly questions, why aren't Penn State's cheerleaders here? Why do we get cheerleaders, but they don't? Um, what color? Or why are we wearing yellow uniforms? Uh, all of those things and so it was just a really fun you know few hours of sitting in Carver watching the Hawkeyes uh, getting him excited having him ask me questions the whole time it was uh, it was an incredible day uh, one I will never forget and uh, and just just a lot of fun and then you know just it wasn't a crazy atmosphere inside of Carver like it never the the roof never came off the place uh, probably because it never had to you're playing Penn State in a game you were up by most of the game that everybody expected to win it wasn't like it was a, a huge you know nail-biting game late where you know things can really ramp up but as I said earlier and as the players all mentioned coach McCaffrey mentioned and and it was clear when you're in that building especially if you've been there for a non-conference game this year where there were you know several thousand people there instead of you know just a handful of empty seats here and there like there were yesterday that place does get loud and it is a good atmosphere and, and they do feed off of that you wish that Iowa's schedule was more conducive to more games like this. Uh, it's just kind of the way it is. And, you know, we talked about this on the radio over the week here in Des Moines. And, um, you know, it's like you want to take the Big Ten's money. You, you kind of have to play by their rules. And that this isn't an Iowa thing. It's not a uh, it's not a people don't like Iowa thing. It's just a scheduling thing. And if you have a problem with it, the, the Big Ten office is in, uh, in, in Chicago. Uh, some Hawkeye football parents know where that is. They picketed outside of there uh, a year and a half ago. So um, it'll be. It's just. It's. It was good to see that place full. It was good to see that many Hawkeye fans. It was good to hear that. Um, and you just wish that we had more opportunities to do that because you understand that these these weeknight games, these Sunday games, just don't quite have the same feel and the same. Uh, accessibility for everybody especially those of us I mean you think I left here I left my house at about one I got home a little before eight and I did it about as quickly as you could possibly do it I mean we didn't stop on the way out there we fought a little bit of traffic you know through Coralville but it wasn't terrible getting into our our parking spot it wasn't terrible getting out it was a little you know it always is a little backed up but it wasn't terrible we got out of town right away we hit up the the, uh, McDonald's in Williamsburg where there was no line we just kind of went right through the drive-thru so I mean it was about as quickly as we could have possibly done it and it was still almost a seven hour night or seven hour day uh you know from our door leaving to, to getting back that's just not possible on a weeknight for anybody with kids or anybody with you know a job where they have to get up early in the morning or you know a job where they have to work until five because the game you know that's the thing if the game's at six you got to get off work early to get there and you get home early enough. The game's at eight. You're not going to get home till till late. So, uh, it's there are a lot of reasons that attendance inside of Carver Hawkeye Arena uh, is not great. There are a lot of reasons, um, and I, I've we've talked about this again on the radio where it's kind of like a bed of nails. And if you put too much pressure on one of them, if you put too much weight on one of the reasons, uh, it starts to fall apart. Because hey, other teams have these schedules too, and other teams are this far away from their population centers also, and da 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 da. But if you put all of them together and you lay them all out, these are reasons. And and while it's disappointing to see. 
Bull Carver Hawkeye against a Big Ten team on a weeknight. Uh, it's it's somewhat understandable why that happens. You hope that um, we get to a point where that's that's not the case. Uh, but I say that as a, a guy who lives in Des Moines and makes it over to Carver two or th- maybe three times a year, you know. And so uh, I'm a part of the problem too. It's really comfortable to sit in my on my couch and watch the game and interact with all of you on Twitter and do a post game uh, instant reaction podcast right away. And you know, at halftime, flip over to other games or get other stuff done and you know my beer is cheaper my bathroom is closer and and nicer and all of those things so uh, we all know that we've all talked to Ed Nauseam about it Um, but it was just really nice to get back into Carver for a game like that and it was so awesome uh, to bring my son there and uh, and just show him a a really good time he uh, he can't wait to go back and I can't wait to get him to Kinnick because that's going to blow his freaking mind so four and four in the Big Ten, 14 and five overall is uh, are the Iowa Hawkeyes, and now you've got a Thursday night home date against number four Purdue. They won't be number four when the poll comes out uh, this week, but uh, they are as I sit here today, and so they'll still be a top ten team most likely uh, when Iowa hosts them Thursday night, and that's a that's uh, a spot where you could uh, you could get a big win, right? It's a big opportunity, but I, I don't expect it. I, I doubt many of you do. Purdue has just had. Iowa's number for so long and um, they're you know they just it's a matchup nightmare the the size that they present uh, we saw it back in December at Purdue the, the size that they have is it just makes it really hard for this Iowa team to uh, to stay with them so I'm certainly not going to uh, going to put a, a W in the column for that one but let, let's do go through this uh, schedule here as we're now nearing the halfway point of the Big Ten season. Eight games in, 12 games to go, and, um, you know, some some big opportunities right now. Right now in the Big Ten standings, uh, Michigan State is 6-1. and one. They're in first place by themselves. Wisconsin and Illinois each 6-2. and two. Ohio State at 5-2. and two. Indiana and Rutgers at 5-3. and three. Purdue at 4-3. and three. And then Iowa in eighth place at 4-4. Four and four. And a fairly significant drop off there. Then you got Michigan at two and three, and they play this afternoon, I believe. Uh, Penn State at three and five, Minnesota at Northwestern at two and five, Maryland at two and six, and lowly Nebraska at zero oh and eight. And uh, kind of hard to see Nebraska winning a game. And so, if we go through uh, Iowa's rest of their schedule, let's see. Let's just quickly W and L this and, and see where they get to. And let's just go through and say the games that I expect Iowa to win for sure, if they win all of those, where do they get? So I don't expect them to beat Purdue. I do expect them to win at Penn State a week from Monday. Uh, Don't expect them to win at Ohio State later that week. I do expect them to win at home against Minnesota, a team I was already beat. I think I will put the Maryland game in the win column. You're at Maryland. It's a Thursday night. um, But I think... Uh, Let's just assume Iowa, Iowa can win that. So there's three wins, three and two in the next five games. Home against Nebraska, that's a win. Home against Michigan. So here's what I'm going to do with Michigan because I don't fully know what to expect out of this Michigan team. I think I'm going to say we're going to split with Michigan. So I'll take the home game. I'll give the away game. Uh, So we'll take this win. And now we've gone five and two in the next seven games and are nine and six in the Big Ten. A loss to Michigan State, a win at Nebraska, a win against Northwestern, and then let's finish with two losses here at Michigan and at Illinois. I feel pretty confident that Iowa can get that done, and that's seven and five uh, in the in the next twelve games. That puts Iowa eleven and nine in the Big Ten. 
that puts Iowa 21 and 20, 21 and 10 rather, in on the season. I think if Iowa gets to 11 and 9 in the Big Ten and is in the top half, then which I think they would be, I think that's a tournament team. Um, where in the tournament, it may depend on how they do in the Big Ten tournament, who they play, things like that. But I think that's a tournament team, and I think that's a realistic thing to get to. I don't think any games in there are ones that you say, "Well, there's no way I was going to win that game," right? Uh, and then if you can throw in, maybe you pick off. Maybe you do sweep Michigan. Maybe you you win at Illinois. Maybe you get Purdue at home or at Ohio State or you know Michigan State at home. If you can just win one of those games, that kind of gives you a little bit of cushion. So you know Wednesday night at Rutgers game and how I thought it might come back to haunt us in March and maybe it still will. But I do feel differently about that as as I sit here today and, and really kind of sit and look at this because. You know, some of it was recency bias, and, and that, that game felt so bad. Uh, but, you know, teams lose games, and we've seen this happen a lot. Uh, that that ultimately may not be that bad of a loss, um, or at least not not a killer loss as you kind of look through here. So I, I like Iowa's chances here. I like Iowa's opportunity. Um, and, you know, again, you never know. You, you get a Purdue or, you know, at Ohio State. These are places Iowa has won, Iowa can win. And if Iowa is playing great offensively, they can beat just about anybody if they can uh, compete on the rebounds and and defensively. Quickly, just some other uh, sports mentions here. Wrestling has a big, big, big match Friday against Penn State. This is going to be an interesting one to see uh, where Iowa stacks up against Penn State and uh, and kind of what they're looking at as far as a Big Ten championship, a national championship, because Penn State's really the, the main competition for both of those things. Uh, outside of that, just want to mention Caitlin Clark and how amazing she is. Um, to, to uh, you know all of the hyperbole right uh, for her and the things she is doing the the back to back thirty point triple doubles I'm sure you've seen all the stats that you know the only people who have done that in any high level basketball uh, in in the last twenty years have been you know like seven of the best NBA players in in the last two decades including you know Kobe and Giannis and LeBron uh, and then Caitlin Clark you know no other college player is doing it has done it I don't think uh, any other Big Ten player has ever put up two two triple doubles the way that she did um she is already doing just historical things as a sophomore it's halfway through her sophomore season uh i was glad to see the women get a game today they host illinois tonight at five o'clock when you listen to this that that one may already be done but um just really once you saw the indiana game was canceled which was supposed to be today uh you worry that they're just are never going to be able to get into that rhythm they're never going to be able to get that uh going enough to you know i talked about this i think a week ago where i feel like they'll be just fine and maybe they'll be a really really dangerous team in march because they'll be a little under seated they'll be a little underrated but once they hit their stride if they're playing well uh they can buy and so to, to, I'm glad they got a game tonight uh, to kind of keep that rhythm going, to, to keep that momentum going, and hopefully to be a big win over a not great Illinois team uh, tonight for the women. And uh, who knows, maybe another triple-double for Caitlin Clark, right? It's not asking too much. She's already going to be the Big Ten Player of the Week again. Uh, they might as well just name that award after her. We're so lucky to, to see the players we've seen lately, uh, to have the, the experiences we have lately as Hawkeye fans. This is, a, it's as always, a great time to be a Hawkeye. We will talk more uh, coming up, but uh, as, as of now, enjoy this and uh, hopefully this best. I don't think they'll be ranked. Uh, they were just outside. They were the essentially 26th ranked team in the country uh, coming into this week, but that loss at Rutgers 
even coupled with a, a big win against Penn State, or I should say a dominant win over Penn State, um, probably isn't enough to get you back into the rankings. But that's okay. You can stay just outside, and uh, and maybe a win over Purdue puts you back in there next week. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Go Hawks. We'll